Thanks everybody for supporting the GNJB show. Today we've got a chat with Trad McLean, the former Brisbane Broncos media manager who's been at the hub of it all since 2006. Trad names his favorite 1 to 13 in those times. He also talks about getting Darren Lockyer into a helicopter on the way to Sydney while the meet well he had to send the media a different way. It's a great yarn. Um, please listen. Thanks for all your support and enjoy. Welcome to the GNJB show. Today we've got Trad McLean. How are you, mate? Very well, thank you, Gareth. How are you? Good, mate. How are you, Jackie Bowen? I'm good, mate. This good to see you, boys. Mate, this is the, obviously it would be almost in the flesh. Mate, this this is their first time on Zoom, so uh, with this meeting, so it's a bit weird. We've had a few lighting checks already, so we'll see how we go. Just just you, mate. Just you. <laughs> We've been yeah. fine. We've been fine, mate. So let me just uh, introduce Trad. Obviously, Trad. Well, not obviously, but Trad's been a member for 13 years of the Brisbane Broncos. Uh, he's been the media manager. Am I right there, Trad? Yeah, yeah, close enough. If you have. You know, you have those funny different titles, but yeah, that's the easiest way to explain it. Yeah, nice. And then prior to that, you were at the Bulletin, I believe, or were you? Was the job? Yeah, the Broncos Bulletin. Yeah, mate. Let's go. Let's go back early on in your life, um, from starting off, young little bloke, um, and then growing up, and your football, and your sport, and how we got to this this stage where we're at. Tell us a bit about yourself. Um, well. I grew up in a really strong rugby league family. Um, my father and grandfather both played grand finals in Sydney in the old New South Wales rugby league oh, comp. Okay. Um, yeah, so I was born in Sydney. My, um, my grandfather captained the Western Suburbs Magpies to a couple of premierships. Um, the last one, actually, West, as before they became the Tigers, actually won in 1952. And then my dad was a really good footballer too. And... Um, he played uh, with Manly, um, played in the 1968 grand final. They got beaten by South, but um, he had a like five-year first first grade career in Sydney. Um, unfortunately, I think the rugby league gene can skip a generation. And, uh, and it's not there. <laughs> but no, I was just brought up in footy. My grandfather was a state of origin selector. Um, he was a committee man at West. Um, my dad was the kind of bloke who my first memories are, I was born in Sydney, but we moved straight to Port Macquarie and I spent the first four years of my life there because he was um, he was captain coach at Port Macquarie. And then he went back to Sydney and he, he played again. He played with North Sydney Bears and then he went back and played with Western Suburbs, played a little bit of first grade there. And I, when I'm about five, I can remember him just playing for Wests. Yeah. And, and then he's um, kind of finished but then like captain coached in Sydney in the manly competition for uh, the Crown of Kingfishers and you know I was a ball boy and you know I just kind of grew up in rugby league. So so who who did you play for originally and what age did you start playing? So I started about eight. Um, I remember my my dad got a, um, he was a poker machine salesman and he got a uh, promotion up to Tweed Heads. Yeah. And um, I'd never heard of Tweed Heads, I was eight I suppose. And, um, and but the Tweed Heads, remember in, back in those days, Queensland, Jack, you're not old enough to remember this, but back in those days, yeah, Queensland, <laughs> well, <laughs> Queensland just didn't have poker machines. So Tweed Heads was kind of like, you know, the Las Vegas of um, of Australia. And all these, all these buses would come down the highway from Brisbane and Queensland and just to play poker machines at the massive clubs. They had their, like, Twin Towns and the old Seagulls and that sort of thing. So my dad moved there, and it was the best thing that ever happened to us. So it, I remember I got bribed that when we moved there, I was allowed to play rugby league. Oh. And so, yeah, we moved there. I think I was eight. Uh, and, um, yeah, I played for South Tweed, um, the South Tweed Bears. And I ended up playing there. Obviously, I had a, a few years away, but I, I played there till I was 33, I think. Yeah, right. So, yeah, it was just one of one of those um, one of those things. But um, I suppose I just played. I was a you know average, half decent player going through my teens. I was a big, tall, skinny thing. All elbows Could, and knees. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Hated yeah. playing those blokes. <laughs> the hardest I, uh, I, uh, I started out in the centres, but um, quickly got pushed to the forwards because I played at the Indigenous club. Yeah. And uh, all my, all, they were all my best mates, but they all told me I had to play in the forwards because I was I was big. And they were they were little, so they played in the back line. I'm yeah. like, okay. okay. So funny. I ended up. Yeah, I ended up playing in the forwards, and um, but about I suppose about I, I always say uh, I was seventy kilos when I was seventeen, and then by the time I was twenty, I was a hundred. So I, I kind of put ten kilos on it a year, three years in a row. Yeah, wow. And when I was eighteen, um, I got an opportunity to go to Sydney and play with Manly, and I played under nineteens there, and then. Um, I mean, it was the best, uh, I suppose, introduction to you are not good enough to make it. Yeah. Because I went to a team that had Steve Menzies and Nick Kosef and uh, Johnny Hopawati. And I remember especially playing with Menzies and, um, you know, and Nick Kosef. Like, I just remember playing with those guys thinking, what game are these guys playing? Yeah, and um, just all young, but they're both blokes who played for Australia. And, um, Steve Menzies played 350 NRL games. He was an absolute freak. Mm. Um, and so after a year there, I got out of that because I um, I just thought, oh, I'm not going anywhere here. Because <laughs> North Sydney offered me a contract to go up and play under 21s. And um, a mate of mine from Tweed, Matt Sears, was going there. So I ended up going to North Sydney and played a couple of years of under 21s there and just ran into the same thing, just run into like origin players like Billy Moore and Gary Larson and David Fairley and Blake, so we just, you know, it was just, uh, I think, I, I always think I was one of those guys who, you know, got, realised early enough that I wasn't going to be, you know, an, an NRL player. Mm-hmm. I reckon by about 20 I realised, and so I, I did the smartest thing ever, and I went back to university yeah. Yeah, and did nice. a communications degree. And um, I started that in Sydney, and um, then when I'd finished in under 21s, um, rather than going to the New South Wales Cup or something like that, I went back home to the Gold Coast and started doing my um, communications degree. And um, it was, yeah, I always say it's the smartest um, move in football I ever made. Did you think you'd end up back in rugby league through, like early days when you was doing your journalism, did you think it would bring you back to rugby league? Oh, I probably didn't. Um, I spe- like that I kind was never of never um, on the on the spectrum. That wasn't your well, goal I, for doing it or anything. No, not not. Re- I mean, I wanted to be around sport. Yeah. So I always wanted to be a sports journalist, but I'd probably had that in my head since I was, you know, I remember my year eleven maths teacher giving it to me one day for not, you know, just talking in class and told me I wasn't going to be anything. And where did I think I was going to? Turn up, and I'm actually friends with that guy now. But he gave me a great talk about you're not going. I said, oh, I want to be a journalist. So I want to go to university and be a journalist. He said, Oh, you know, I just gave it to me. But um, it was a real good straight nut, you know. And um, so I suppose when I, I did that, I, I wanted to be a sports journalist, and that's so I was playing football in the, the old Gold Coast competition in those days, and I knew uh, um, I knew the guy who had written a couple of stories about me um, playing down there, and so I said to him, When I finish university, I'm coming to do some work experience. And he said, yeah, all right. And so my last semester, I kind of went in one day a week and, and uh, at the old Tweed Daily News, um, which is a paper that's still down there. I think it only publishes on Saturday now, but just a local paper. Yeah. And, um, and then I ended up, um, you know, kind of doing that. And at the end of that, I finished. And he said to me, oh, can you come in next week? And I said, well, I'm finished uni. I mean, you'd have to pay me. He goes, yeah, yeah, we'll put you on two days a week. And then yeah. about three weeks after that, the editor gave me a full-time job and that's how I started in, in journalism. But I kind of did that for about 10 years, moved to the Gold Coast Bulletin and started covering the Broncos. Yep. Okay. And um, I, I suppose I covered them for about six years. I like, would travel with them and, and go away and I, I got quite friendly with the players and it was a little bit different than journalism. You know, it wasn't so... I mean, I suppose I was different. I wasn't trying to, you know, find them... You know, I didn't care what they did when they had a few beers after the game. I liked writing about the sport yeah. and, and about mm. personalities and where people had come from. Well, so, now they're pulling but, stories from every angle, aren't they? Well, it's just different, mate. Yeah. The world's changed. You know, I mean, we'll get into this later. Mm. Say, <clears throat> social media has ruined, ruined a, a lot of, you know, 
the, the fun that was had around rugby league. But mm. you know, that's just that's just the way life is these days. But um, yeah, I suppose right. all the things with them and what a time I you know I got quite close to folks like Shane Webke and Andrew G and Petro Simonasiva and those guys, and I knew Gordy Tallis because I played under twenty ones against him and. Um, suddenly the Broncos rang me up one day and asked me if I'd like to be their communications manager. And uh, I went, well, I suppose so. And so that was two things I learned years ago. Journalism, footy, bring them together. Yeah, why not? Yeah, so that's how I ended up at the Broncos. Yeah, nice. I got off of the job a couple of weeks before the 2006 grand final that they won. And yeah, it was that's what I was doing. Mate, let me just go. I just want to go back to one thing that you actually did when you said you went for the work experience down. Sorry, what was the name of the, the paper again? The Tweed Daily News. The Tweed Daily News. Give those guys a wrap. Are they still going? Yeah, they're still there. Still yeah. there. Just, I think they only publish on Saturdays, but they're still there online. Mate, myself and Jack obviously work in the schools program when we go around and mentor some young kids. And I'm constantly saying the, the kids that don't have work or anything, I said, go down and, go down and volunteer. Go down and do some work experience. Because if yeah. you... If you turn up early and you leave five minutes late and you ask questions you need it and you're a good worker, mate, when they're looking for somebody, you're going to get the phone call. And exactly the same thing just happened to you. You got a job yeah, out of it. I, I always say, um, like, you know, like I, I probably didn't realise I was doing that, but yeah. you can't get out of university or study, hmm. whatever it is, even if it's high school, I suppose, and go, okay, now I'm going to go and get some experience. Yeah. So if you're doing a university degree or a or a TAFE course or or a, you know I, I know trade trading's you're straight in there anyway, yeah. but you should yeah. be getting as much experience as you can um, because when you when you go to a for a job interview, the first thing they'll look at is what have what have they done? What have you done? Yeah. And I, the, the way it worked for me was because I was in a little newspaper and I started doing things, and you know you, you start to get capable. They were just getting you to to do the junior sport lift out or 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 just cover these sports for that weekend yeah. and do it. And then suddenly, if you're not going to be there, they think, hang on, I'm going to have to do this myself. So it's about creating a niche for yourself. And I always think, you know, work experiences, no matter how much work experience you do, it's it, it, it can be. Sometimes I go, I've got friends who own, you know, big businesses at the markets. I'll, I don't mind going down and, like, spend a few hours there at work and having a look and even giving a hand for nothing just to have a look at, you know, how other people do business and, and, and you know, how how their business not work. I mean, Jack, I'm always asking you questions about, you know, how you approach things and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I find that interesting, but I always think it's how you build experience. And the same with you, Gareth, with your business. I'm always asking, like, oh, what about this or yeah. what about that? How do you do that? It's yeah. It's all about learning. That's how you evolve, isn't it? Generally, whatever whatever it is you do, like, yeah, yeah. To be good at anything, you've got to be a bit of a thief. You've got to take information from everybody to improve yourself. I think. And um, even when you get kicked in the teeth, it's the same. I, I was Anthony Seibold um, had a great has a great saying. You know, we, the, your team never loses. You win or you learn. Yeah, yeah. That, only two yeah. Words. That gets uh, that's a term quite close to boxing too, isn't it, Jack? You know, a lot of people say yeah, that I, phrase. I remember uh, Anthony Joshua saying something similar to that after he lost to Ruiz last year. You, well, you don't you don't lose, you just learn and you you adapt, and then the next fight you come back and put on the show. Well, Jack, we saw your pro debut. Mm. I mean, I'm sure that could have finished earlier, but I bet now when you think back. You know, there was a you had a few rounds in there to get some experience, like in your pro debut against a guy who was pretty willing against you. Mm-hmm. Aren't you glad, like you know, you didn't knock that bike out in the first twenty five seconds because you'd have come out of it with, you know, not much more than a than a W. Yeah, and it, I, Gareth and I discussed it last week. I feel like like through Gareth, he's taught me to learn from other people's mistakes. And I've seen people come out in their pro debut and absolutely try and kill someone and get knocked down. Or, like, remember Hoops in his second fight, mm. Gareth, yeah. and he got knocked down just from being erratic and trying to kill someone. And I was thinking that in the back of my head the whole fight. But when I got to the second uh, end of the second round, I remember coming back and I was breathing heavy on my chest. But it was good to get that experience of all right, I'm going to have a round break. I remember Gareth was like, all right, just take the round off, relax. 
and then you'll find your openings, and then in the fourth it come. But yeah, as you said, if I had just gone and blasted him in the first round, I wouldn't have got that that experience. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean that's that's absolutely all it's about. Like in NRL terms, like I said I was the that team for thirteen years. The the magic number for a proper NRL player is fifty NRL games. So that's yeah. two seasons of you know, mm-hmm. we, we I think once you've had two seasons, two full seasons of games at the highest level, then you can call yourself an NRL player. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not until yeah, yeah, then because yeah. you, you in, in you know, you can say, Yeah, I've played five or six NRL games, but you're not a you're not a week to week NRL player until you, you've got fifty. And up, the broken system, yeah, has always had a bit of a hierarchy around that, and and often it included um, we, we returned to training time in the preseason. So those guys who hadn't played fifty NRL games would come back in on the first of November, and the blokes who the, the blokes who had could come back then and would do testing, and as long as they did the testing and passed everything, which generally they did, they'd get another two weeks off. Mm. So yeah. it's an interesting way to think about you're a, you're a boxer, Jack, but but you know, like you, you've just started on that journey. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. I wanted to ask just quickly, Jay, before you get yeah, in, no, you go, we yeah. Sp- we touched yeah we touched before on the social media era, and you would have you would have seen it evolve from basically the scratch at the Broncos. How's your role had to evolve around social media with the players? Well, it's it's funny. Um, it's funny when it first started. It first started, it was a real problem because um, not a lot of players were into it to start with. As mm. you know, it kind of it caught on quick, I suppose. You know, but I suppose the dangers of it you didn't really realise, and people don't get it now. Um, what the what the whole change in social media was for me. The change in social media was that people could automatically publish content. That they never could before, so you couldn't you couldn't take a take a photo, write something, and then stick it out there for all the world to see, mm-hmm. unless you had a web page, and you know that that wasn't something you could do yeah. off a phone, you know. So it was a completely different thing. So what started happening was obviously, you know, when players were out and stuff, photos were being taken off them. And I remember when I started at the Broncos, the social media wasn't very huge then. Like, you know, we generally found out if players were, you know, been out on the weekend or up through, a, you know, a range of people you knew around town. So yeah, things, yeah, it was one of those things. When I, if I'd heard something about a player being out and maybe having a few too many, I, I wouldn't you know, necessarily run and tell the chief executive, but I'd say something to the player and say, oh, I heard you were at, you know, insert. Yeah. Oh, how, was, how was Fridays on Friday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'd look at you like, like this, you know, but but what changed with social media is, um, yeah, it no longer gets to Monday till you find out about it. If somebody's playing up or, you know, being a goose, uh, pretty much you hear about it straight away. So Public. And the public knows straight away too. Yeah, I, and everybody's into it. Like everybody suddenly became, you know, like everyone, that's what I said, everyone suddenly became a publisher of information. And um, yeah, it's been it's been hard to, you know, and players, I'm telling you, those players, they pay the price for that. Um, because there's, <laughs> in the old days, you know, everyone used to go, oh yeah, you just sweep it under the carpet when someone plays up at the Broncos. Well, with social media, that can't happen anymore. Mm. It will come out. And you see it all the time. If mm. if someone does something wrong, someone will know or hear about it, and eventually, it comes out. So, as we're talking on social media, your job that you learnt um, and got your degree for will be totally different now to what you the way you were trained in journalism, wouldn't it? Because social media has made a massive impact, and you would have had to be learn on the job about social media. Absolutely, absolutely, and um, I remember, um, like, I remember, like, I, I, I actually, the Bronx, someone had made a Brisbane Broncos Facebook Facebook page, and so in those days, you know, it was starting to happen that Facebook wanted the actual business to 
um, to run that page. Mm. So I remember we had like, there was like 12,000 people on the page. And so we contacted Facebook and got, got the uh, admin rights to it. You know, they just took it off whoever, whoever had it and we made it the official Broncos page. And I remember like, doing the first post as a club on that page and I had a young um, uh, di- digital guy that was working a couple of days a week for me because w- I said to the CEO, you know, when I started there, I said, look, we need to think about the website here and then a couple of years later, it was like, okay, we need to think about social media now. Yeah. But it made sense to me as a, um, as a journalist that what you needed to do was to put your content on a website and then use social media to drive them towards it. Yeah. So that was the model we worked under and the Broncos still works under mm-hmm. to this day. Except now there's about 700,000 people on Facebook and it's mm-hmm. the biggest Facebook page in Australia. Um, bigger than any AFL club. You'll, that, you'll hate that, Jack, I know. Oh, Jack, <laughs> fell all over too. W- wounded me a little bit. <laughs> no, but the Broncos is the only rugby league club that has that social route that goes. And it's the same with Twitter. I think Twitter's like, you know, 150,000 or something. I was going to yeah. say, Broncos still use Twitter regularly? Yeah, yeah, not as much, but mainly yeah. still to pump out that content for people that are there. And basically, I, my the, the model we had was you use social media to get people into your shop. Yeah. And I don't mean physically, I meant for them to get to your website yeah. because your website and your shop. Yeah. So that was basically um, the way we did it. But, yeah, that was, like, hard to learn. I remember doing a video course to learn how to cut video, and I remember putting together the first interview with a player, I think it was Darren Lockyer, um, in about 2008, I'd say, and it took me three hours to edit that video. Um, (laughs) Before I left the Broncos, you know, six weeks ago, we had four guys who edited videos and they would wow. put those together in about seven minutes. Yeah. So <laughs> this is how the world has changed. Mate, let me... That's what I... I, I no. Just quickly, Jay, I had you to go. learn how to edit my own highlight videos when I first started pushing a bit of content on like Instagram or face, on Facebook as well. And it took me hours. Now it takes me like 10 minutes. Well, but I it remember, used to take me so long. I remember buying the first camera for the Broncos and we needed something that we could use and plug into the computer and download. Yeah. You know, and it, it cost me about $4,000. Now you just pull out a $100 phone and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's just as good. Charged. And there's apps for everything. Mm. You know, all, all the apps on your phone, which is free download, you get all the best, you know, you can cut and do everything with videos. Mate, I know you played in France. You missed that yep. bit out when you were talking about your playing career. Let me take me back. Take me back there. How did that come about? Um, were you contracted to a club? Was it a working holiday? What 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 happened there? Well, all of the above, I suppose. Um, how it happened was, um, like I said, I went back to university. I went back home and decided to do my degree at Griffith Gold Coast, yeah. and um, and I was playing first grade up there. And I remember the first week I was at Griffith, I walked past and they had you know like O week. And they had, uh, and I was like 21, you know, like I, and I was serious about I was going to get this study over and done with because, you know, I'd spent, I'd spent me three years in Sydney, you know, chasing me footy dream yeah. and had worked out that wasn't where, where, where it was going to go. So I um, went to uni and I saw like at O-Week, like a, a table, a guy saying, you know, it was the local footy team. I said, oh, you, you guys got a footy team? And I didn't even know. And it's the, they play in the, Queensland University's Rugby League yeah. um, competition, which <laughs> ironically now I'm the chairman of, yeah. but I'll be at it then. And um, I said, oh, mate, I'm kind of playing first grade on the coast. I can't play midweek. You know, I'm contracted to a you know, a club in Tweed. And he goes, oh, yeah, but we have a state team. Would you like me to put your name down for that? And I said, oh, yeah, it sounds all right. So I ended up getting selected for the Queensland University's team and then we bashed New South Wales Universities in... Um, in Toowoomba that year, I think it was 95, and we um, got picked in the Australian team, and I went on a um, two-week tour of New Zealand, um, t- 22 single two-week tour of New Zealand, with them. and I actually 
roomed with Ash Bradnam, the um, who's on Nova. Nova, the morning Nova right. on Nova. Yeah, we, we're good mates, Lynn Ash, but we're a bad crew pair together. They should not have roomed us together. Anyway, <laughs> we had a lot of fun. But um, while I was over there, um, there was a couple of blokes from France who were there and watched us play, and um, I knew nothing of it. And about, oh, I suppose about two months later, we got a phone call and. Um, a team over there was looking for a second row and a halfback, and my best mate from that, one of my best mates from that team, mm. Andrew Lees, was a halfback. And Andrew Lees? Yeah, Andrew Lees, not Leeds, L W S. Yeah, right, yeah. He played lower grades at Canberra and the Gold Coast, um, played a lot of first grade yeah. on the Gold Coast with Burley. Anyway, they wanted us as a package deal. So. The next thing I know, I came home and told my parents, I always remember I was freaking out, I was going, my mum will never let me leave university because yeah. I was living at home. And I said, she won't like it. And I come home and told my mum and dad, and they said, what are you doing? Go. We yeah. got uh, flights over there. We had a house, a car, <clears throat> and a 1000 bucks a week. I was 22. I was a, it was the closest I got to being a professional rugby league player. We played at a place called Villa You were professional. Yeah, we were professional. professional. Yeah. We had nothing. Yeah. We'd not, you know, um, <clears throat> I always say that. I, I remember I walked into um, Spain. I reckon I had about $1,000 in the bank. Mm. I worked in France, had about $1,000 in the bank. And at the end of the season, because um, oh, I was coming back from a, for a second season there, I went to England. I thought I'd just go and have a look around England. And I remember like on the, being on the Eurostar and having one of those um, you know passport things underneath, hanging around your neck, underneath your shirt. And I had uh, about... 70 or 80,000 francs in it. It was like, I don't know, about 16 or $18,000. Yeah, yeah, wow. I went to England for three months. I had a good time over there, I'll tell you. I came back to France. I had to go play again because I didn't have any money left. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm guessing you drank a bit of beer in England and you would have been a bit of a different shape to when you come back. Oh, I wasn't too bad. I was training a bit. I actually played a couple of games when I was over there for, um, for Oldham. Oh, Oldham. Yeah, so I had a mate um, who. What's that? Was their nickname the Ruffians? I think Oldham. Uh, well, Ruffians? then they so they gone to Super League and it was the Oldham Bears. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I um I had a mate whose dad was um on the board at Oldham, and I went over and saw him. I was friends with him, and he lived in Blackpool. So I was living in Blackpool, which was like you know it was lived like living in a, a seaside resort. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, his dad wanted me to play, so I remember I played two two academy games. You know their reserve grade. Who who did you play against? Do you remember what teams? I remember playing at Lee one night. Yep. Yeah, it was bloody freezing. Yeah, it was freezing when I played there. Yeah. And then we played at Oldham. I think we played against Hull. Oh yeah. Hull FC, not Hull yeah. KR. It was. Yeah. And um, always remember. Um, I, I just I played a full season on the Gold Coast and with South Sweden. We'd actually won the the Gold Coast Group 18 Grand Final, which was big in those days. No, um, group 18 was, was a strong comp, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a strong yeah. comp. It was before the Queensland Cup expanded. Yeah. So, and you'd have all those players from that had played with the Gold Coast Giants and Seagulls come back mm. and play in the local thing. So it was you know you earned your stripes. So I played that season. Then I went to France and played that season. So I played twelve months straight. And when I got to England, my mate's dad wanted me to play there, and I just like there was half a chance, but I just I didn't want to go train anymore. Like I said, I had plenty of coin, so I just went no. So I, I spent a few months there and just did the usual, you know, fly to Egypt for the week, fly to yeah, Crete yeah. for the week, you know, go to Amsterdam, do that sort of thing, and then went back and played a few more months in France, and then um, then decided I better go home and finish this degree. <laughs> so, so when you got back, what did you have to do? Another year or so, or? Yeah, I think I was nearly done. I think I had had six months to go. I think I had six months to go, and, and that was like when I'd put up. And like I've, by now, you know, I'm probably 23 or 24, you're getting to that age. But I just went, okay, put your head down. And that's when I went back and like started working, doing work experience at the Toy Daily News. And suddenly you're a proper, you know, you get a, you get a real job. Any In your later life... Not that you're an old man, but I'm just saying later now. Do you ever have any regrets from when you were in your twenties, like football wise or sporting or, or anything else? Uh, well, I mean, not really. <clears throat> I always say, um, I remember saying to my dad, um, 
when I got the job at the Broncos, my dad is like a Sydney bloke. He's New South Wales through and through. I support Queensland. Yeah. Um, mainly because, you know, you grew up kind of, you know, or on that border. Yeah. And especially when I started covering the Broncos, you know, like you were covering Queensland too. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I could be, I could be um, termed a turncoat. And my grandfather played for New South Wales, so my dad hates it, like hates that I go to Queensland. <laughs> Um, and and it, he won't really barrack for the Broncos. Always wanted me to go, wanted wanted us to go well, but it still goes for like the West Tigers. Um, but but look, I, I don't, I can't see, you know, like I always think you can re, re, look back with regret. You, could I have trained harder? I couldn't have trained harder when I was in, you know, in Sydney. But I knew I wasn't good enough. Yeah. Um, when I played in the local comp, maybe at some stage could have gone to the Queensland Cup with Burley. I got a couple of approaches there to play in that. But by then, I just kind of decided that I was more interested in journalism and yeah, right. oh, that's good. that sort of thing. And, and yeah, I, I'm not a big believer in, um, like, I, like we said, about having regrets and, um, and worrying about things. Mm. And I um, often talk to my wife about this. Like, I'll we'll say it's a, it's a good one Wayne Bennett gave us. Uh, gave, I remember it back in the days, he said, worrying's like sitting in a rocking chair. There's plenty of movement and action going on, but it just doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just, I, I mean, you can look back, I guess we talked about learning before, you can look back at learn, and learn, but like, you know, having regrets and well, it just doesn't get anywhere. Yeah. I'm one of the few people, I think, that played rugby league and actually realises um, they were not good enough to make it. Mm. Yeah, true. And, and I, I, have no, I have no issue with it. I'll tell you what, I'm one of the best spellers that ever played in the front row in rugby league in Australia. <laughs> not many are better spellers than me. And will be for some time yet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. Mate, you've spent a lot of time um, with the Brisbane Broncos. Like you said, you'd only been employed for, what, a couple of weeks or a couple of months in 2006 when you're jetting off to the grand final. You must have thought, holy fuck, I, I, this this is what it's all about. What was that yeah, time it was like? A, it was amazing, yeah. That that 06 grand final, I kind of, yeah, I kind of knew that I was going to start at the Broncos, you know, at the end of that year. Yeah. And, um... And always, um, I remember the the week of the um, you know, the Bronco. They were playing against against the Melbourne Storm, and um, Cameron Smith was the young, you know, up and comer in those days. And I remember they wanted to, me to write a story about how he, you know, how he, he should have been a Broncos, and the Broncos missed out on him. Was he and, playing first grade at that time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he played a year years before. Ago. Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd um, I know Cameron well now because I. Mm. I Two years, I was the media manager for the Australian Kangaroos team, and yeah. um, so I, I got to know him. But back then, um, yeah, I kind of wrote this story that was, you know, uh, a staffer at the Broncos had set. So I won't, I won't divulge who it was, but had set me on it. Said, "Grand final week, we want to see this story, um, you know, that about Cameron Smith and how the Broncos." The Broncos brushed him and that sort of thing. And um, anyway, in the end, I just I kind of spoke to Cameron Smith, and he yeah, he spoke about you know he, like it's, it's that story's been written a thousand times yeah. since you know, yeah. you know how we've been a Bronco that we came to Storm and don't worry the Broncos missed out on one of the all time great players with him because I just think he's amazing and a and a really amazing strong personality mm. too. But yeah, I, I, when when we were there that week, I remember. Um, I'd, I'd, I remember back in those days, like I remember I'd had a hundred dollars on the Broncos to win the grand final during the. I just had a feeling about 06 and they, uh, um, and that that's a big bet for me. I probably haven't had a bet like that since, but um, at like 20, 20 to one, and then because it was in the middle of Origin period where they always went bad, but they just got rolling towards the end of the season and they weren't supposed to beat Melbourne that day. A lot of people forget that now. They had a great team, the Broncos, but Melbourne were the out and out favourites and. You know, blokes, they just shut them down. Sean, Sean Berrigan was a, you know, but I remember at full time when they won, it was just, it was like you were part of, um, it was like you were part of, I remember being out on the field as a journalist getting stories. For, you know, but, um, but I'd, yeah, I'd, you know, I'd, I had a, I'd won a couple of thousand dollars. And, 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 and I was on the, I was on the club, 
I was I'd been given a spot on the club plane back to Brisbane, yeah. and um, I certainly um, I, I certainly was invited to Mad Monday there. Like, can you like I tell journos mm. these days that as a journalist I used to go to Mad Monday, yeah. like as a player, go and have a few beers with the players. Yeah. There's no way that something like that would happen now. But my rule was if I had a beer in my hand, I didn't see anything. Yeah, the pen was down. Yeah, right. And I had a um, it, it happens like. I always, it, it comes back to haunt you because a couple of years ago, Corey Parker um, wrote a story, um, and wrote a book, and then one of the stories in the book was how him and Andrew G had had a bit of a blue at um, at a at a pub up at um, at Shane Webke's pub up at Leeburn, which is kind of up near Warwick. Yeah. Anyway, we'd gone. I'd gone out there with because I was quite friendly with Andrew G. We'd gone out there um, with Corey and and uh, and. Then we just basically had a steak for lunch and then drank schooners all afternoon and then had a steak for drink dinner and drank schooners after that. Yeah. And it was it was on that week before Origin start. We did it a few years in a row. Yeah. Anyway, Corey had just missed out on the Origin side. He was only about 20 years old and they picked Andrew G. So GG and Webby were driving Corey mad with it. Yeah. Oh, if you'd have just done this against Manly a couple of weeks ago or if you hadn't have dropped that ball, blah, blah, blah. Just right, right. In the end, Corey just had enough, and he's like, just dead set taking a run at Gigi, and just like, basically gave him yeah. gave him a good bit of a bump. And Gigi's gone off his chair and hit the back of the the lip on the bar Tough and split and has to go into Origin camp the next day. And I'm sitting there going, oh, <laughs> what do I do here? Anyway, they've just all froze and looked at me. I said, oh, I didn't see a thing. Hmm. I'd already written this story and sent it down to the Gold Coast Bull and got a front page story about um, about you know old old mates going out to a country pub and celebrating making the Origin team and you know, I had a photo of of Webby and Gigi and stuff so I'd I'd done my job and then that happened so I just went no I reckon it's one of the reasons I probably ended up with a job at the Broncos because like I learned how to keep my mouth shut. Well, you weren't there. To but, uh, but that was. Yeah. That was all great until Corey wrote his book in, I don't know, 2017 or 18 and relayed that story. My old boss from the time. Did they come good, though? They come good? Oh, they were good. It was just one of those things. Yeah, it was just one of those things. And Gigi, remember Gigi went into Origin Camp and I could see the split on and back and <laughs> no one said a word. It was a front row. But I just, I just shut up. Yeah. And uh, it was all great. I would have kept that to me grave until... Corey's like told the whole story in his book, named me, blah, 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 which was fine, except my old boss read it and then rang me up and said, why did you give us that story? Well, my, yeah, I said, I worked for the club, mate. <laughs> no, no, well, then I was a journalist. Oh, right, oh, a you were a journalist. Still a I said, mate, do you remember when I got the scoop about Shane Webke retiring and we were the only joint that got a family photo of him and his kids and his wife at his home, all right, when, when the Gold Coast woman got up and the Kuri Mail didn't. And he goes, yeah. And I said, that's because I didn't say anything that night. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm. right. All comes back. Mate, so grand final. Let, I, I want to go back to that 2006 grand final. Tell what were the celebrations like? That's what people, that's what people from the outside of football don't get to know. What happens? What happens, mate? When you're back in the dressing shed, the next 24 hours, give me that. Give me that stuff. Yeah, That's the goss. It was pretty crazy. Uh, I remember being back in the, it was pretty crazy. Um, it was a night grand final. So I remember like I kind of had to follow my stories, you know, at full time yeah. and then and then just go down and try and get stuff for, you know, the next day. And, yeah, the dressing room was um, you know, raucous, yeah. absolute crazy, and it was, it was, it was really, really like you know, it was an amazing thing. And I'm sadly, you know, like you know, I was there in 2015 when we lost the yeah. grand final in extra time. So I felt both sides. I can tell you which is better. All right, I can tell you which. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's a good story. I'll tell you about the 2015 one, but the but 2006 was crazy. And I remember um, I stayed in the dressing room for a while, and then you know they're getting and going back to the hotel. So you go back to the hotel, and all the family and stuff are in a function room, and 
you know, it was just the team gets introduced and they were going, you know, going absolutely crazy. Um, you have about, you know, four or five or seven hundred beers. And then till about, you know, three or four o'clock in the morning and then suddenly, you know, you try and get a few hours sleep and then eight o'clock you're up because you've got to be on the bus to a chartered flight. So we were back to yeah. um, back to Brisbane and I always remember on the plane, Sammy thought I really stood out that year and Sammy, I became great friends with Sammy. Um, mm. He rang me yesterday, which was really nice. Yeah. And he's, um, he, he, you know him well, um, yeah. G and G and J, like he's great. He's a, he's a great man. He, that was the first time he ever got picked for Australia and they announced the team while we we're in the air. And when we arrived, um, everyone except, um, just about everyone got off the team kind of stayed back and I'd, just kind of hung around and, mm. and Wayne Bennett made the announcement that, um, you know, Darren Lockyer's been picked for Australia and so Sam Thiday and the whole team cheered and I always thought it was a really special moment. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, like, that's, that's what teams are about. It's great to enjoy the teams with those special moments, mm. you know, at the end of the game when you've you've done something amazing. Yeah. is a really, really, really normal. Yeah. Oh, I think you've frozen there, Trad. Can you hear him, Jack? No, it's frozen. Hang on, Trade, you just froze a bit. I'm sure he's trying to sort it out. Mate, those, uh, have you ever been in grand final, Jack, yourself? Why? Yeah, back in the AFL days. Did you? Yeah, we won, yeah, yeah, won two. Jeez, it's so distant now. Yeah. That's no. nearly 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah shit, eight years oh, ago. Oh, Trade's back, Trade's he's back. back. Oh, you got me? Uh, we, you were froze for about 30 or 40 seconds. Oh, you're frozen He's still froze on mine. He's still froze on You got on me, mine. boys? I can hear you. I can I... hear you. Your face isn't caught up. Can't hear you now. Yeah, but I c- can't imagine something on that scale, though. Mm. A winning feeling like that. He's trying to. He's trying to. Yep. You've got to for a minute. Um, pretty much you just Sam finished Friday, Friday and, and those special moments yeah. yeah and so after that the club went out to uh, Red Hill and there was about 5,000 people there waiting for them and they got you know like you know the, they'd, oh those parades and that like yeah 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 well the parade was always a couple of days later but oh, it's okay. more like you know, people would like be waiting there mm. for the right back at the club and yeah it was great but I said it was it was a lot it actually went a lot quicker in those days because people just wanted autographs. Not everyone wanted a photo with them. Yeah, right. Mm. Then they went driving them head for selfies. Yeah. Uh, and then we went upstairs to a room in the club, and I, I know I was there wasn't there were very few outsiders there, and um, certainly I was the only journalist there. And I just remember, um, yeah, just having a uh, a great all time, a very late. And I remember walking out about. Oh, maybe midnight. So say we'd been there since midday. I walked out about midnight. I was uh, rather <laughs> rather full, and I'm pretty sure I was staying at uh, Andrew G's house. Mm. And um, and I remember looking and seeing an 18 year old Darius Boyd um, sound asleep, passed out on the the lounge that was in the foyer of the the the, the Broncos <laughs> offices. He was just he was gone. Wow. But yeah, it was it was an amazing experience. But yeah, I had in my back of my head that you know this is what I wanted to do by then. Mm. Mate, I remember I, well, you keep mentioning Andrew G. Obviously, uh, he's a friend of yours. And mate, the one of the a few years ago when he was he was the CEO, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, football manager. Football manager. What year was that? That was. I'm talking when Hook was involved. Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah. 10, 10 and 12 so he's yeah he he's been he was it was a real concentrated club in 06 he became the football manager and they really really did well that year Mate, I and saw the strength in him when um Wolfie contacted me Christian Wolf contacted me they were uh so I don't know what year that was when Hook was in there and they were all what year would that have been oh uh, it's anywhere from 11 to 14 yeah I think was the coach. Anyway, Wolfie's contacting me saying, mate, we want to bring the boys to the gym and um, can you put them through a session? I said, oh, yeah, because there was a period 
They weren't winning games. It was like it was that lull. It was like five on the trot or something like that. It was not going good. So Wolfie, and and, a, and he said there was a few factions between a few few guys. Like these guys aren't hanging out together. These guys aren't hanging out together. So he said, mate, we want to we want to come in. We're going to bring the whole squad on. No, twenty five or whatever it was, and we want them at sparring. I went, what, like full yeah. on. He said, yep, get all the sparring gloves. We'll tell them to just get in the car, bring their mouth guards. Mate, Andrew G was put in a group. I'm thinking he was in a group with Josh Maguire. Yeah, that'd be right. Yeah. The big show. Maybe Sam Thiday. I'm I'm not really sure who else. Anyway. Semi's pretty handy too. Yeah. Semi and Josh Maguire is pretty handy. And Gigi. Yeah, I've been bashed by both those two. So how old would Gigi have be, been then? Oh, he'd 40s, have been... He'd been in his 40s? 40s, yeah. Right. He'd, have been, he'd have been 40. Yeah, so, he'd have been so, so like the guys, early 40s probably. So the guys he's sparring with are like elite athletes, footballers. Like he's probably yeah. 10, 10 years at least past yeah. his best, you know? Yeah. So I've given head guards to everybody, 16-ounce gloves. Oh, I don't need that. I said, yeah. have you got your mouth guard? Don't need one. <laughs> No mouth guard, no head guard. It was a ruckus, mate. We had corners of the ring, and what they did, Wolfie and, and Hook had organised people in groups of like three and four that had issues, not, not yep. major issues, but little. I just they weren't getting along with best mates or whatever. Yeah, know what I mean. And I don't know about I don't know about Gigi if he just put his hand up on the day and said I'll join in because they were a man short or or what there, mate. Fenella, who used to work with us, she was running around the floor with a mop, mopping, mopping blood up off the ground. These boys are absolutely caning each other. And some guys, like some of the young guys, were like like a deer in headlights. Yeah. And I remember there was a group, Stephen Kearney was in the ring. Mate, he yeah. knows what he's doing. He knows how to hold his hands. Because afterwards I said, you've done a bit, haven't you? And he just went, oh... Did a bit he's pretty quiet. I'm thinking, <laughs> he, have said much. Mate, he, he was he's handy, like real handy. Um, yeah. And he, him and, and him and Wolfie had two different groups in the ring. One was in one corner, one was another. And they had these young Christian, blokes. Chris, Christian Wolf's still frightening to this mate, day. Mate, yeah. I, I come worked in. with him in, in the Tongan. Like he's yeah. the coach of the rugby league yeah. team. I'm, I'm team manager, media manager for them. He is. He 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 still can fight. He used to fight in the old Fred Brophy Brophy. Yeah. Team. Mate, this, this, this is what Wolfie... Can you remember when Wolfie used to come in, Jack, or were you a bit young? Uh, I remember, I think... I've only been there a couple times when yeah. they've come in. Mate, so there Wolfie was one, used to come in by under-19s group come in. Yeah. Yeah. So Wolfie used hey, to... Hey, actually, yeah. did he used to wear, like, bare feet when he was yes. in the ring? Yes, That'd be it. Yeah, yeah that'd I remember. Be so Wolfie yeah. would do this. Wolfie would come in, pop his teeth out, kick his shoes off, let's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's how he's let's No, I remember... I remember... Pe- there was one Broncos dude that used to shadow box in the ring with yeah. no shoes on, and I was like, "What is he doing? Who oh, is yeah. this bloke?" <laughs> and I would have been—I would have only been like thirteen, fourteen. Head coach of St Helens Super League team now. One of the key, <laughs> one of the keys to the Tongan Rugby League team, I, I say this Ace is Christian Wolfsick uh, is the head coach, and John Hopawati is on staff. You, you don't want to get a fight with those blokes. You just do your job. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, we, we go we go to the boxing gym and wrestling and you know, like and I'm like, get me away from these ones. Like, I'm just sick of my job today. <laughs> you know, like I've I've done plenty of sparring in mm. at your gym. Yeah. I'll tell you, I don't I don't want anything to do with those two yeah. blokes. Mate, I remember I remember Wolfie and, and like Steve Kearney in these with these young blokes and they just sat on the ropes, they're feeling tough, letting them and unload on them. Then all of a sudden, Wolfie and they get a bit tired. Wolfie and, and yeah. Steve Kearney have read it. Boom, and they're into them. And I remember a group. They like apparently at the time. I don't know the details, but apparently, like some of the young kids were thinking they're a bit above where they were. But then the older heads were like, "Come on, you guys have actually you're here to win games. You're not you're just here to wear the jer- the the Broncos jersey around town. You know that, and that that's what the attitude was apparently. Anyway, carnage was had. Everything. <laughs> There was, mate, there was blood, there was everything. Nobody was knocked out, but there was nose popping all over the joint and everything like this. And um, after, I, I rang Wolfie later that night and I said, mate, how was how was that? He goes, the best. I said, yeah. what? He goes, 
Mate, these guys weren't even speaking to each other in the bus on the way here. On the way back, everybody's, oh, what about when I jammed you? What about? And it was just brought them together. And that was like, um, I think that was like, maybe it was, maybe we did a Sunday morning. I can't remember, but it was about five days before the next game. Yeah. Yeah, BLA. They beat West Tigers. And yep. Wolfie said, "Mate, it was it was a massive help because it just brought the crew together to yeah. do something totally yeah, I different." I think I remember that. I think yeah. that game. And I think we went down and we just knocked them off twelve ten or something. It might have been it, a Monday game or something. Yeah, it just got gets you going and yeah. going to Campbelltown. It's one yeah. of the worst trips, worst trip going around. Yeah. And yeah, it, look, sometimes you know that's all you need to get going if you can just get that. You know, you just need to get off the duck egg. Yeah. And go on. And sometimes you just need to do something different and different, yeah. you know, get get a bit monks. I know I know in the off season, um, Matt Lodge is the guy who likes getting in the ring and having a spar and, and young Patrick Carrigan, the young front row of the Broncos, he's another bloke who likes it. And they they, they in their time when they were they were off, they were in there doing a bit because um, and I was doing a bit at your, at your gym, yeah. and they were like, oh, come and spar with us. I'm like, yeah, I know where this is getting enough. I need my coach. Like, <laughs> no, there's, there's no prizes for beating up off men, boys, all right? <laughs> oh, that's excellent. So, mate, you said you'd, t- you'd go and touch on the 2015 grand final. Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was devastating like that. I think, I mean, one of the... One of the things I'm most proud about the Broncos, and um, and like I'll, I'll have to say, this, I'm so grateful I got to work for that organisation for 13 years, and it's only just recently I've finished. And um, it, it like it held itself together so well after that. You know, like mm. it was like you, people forget that that you know we all know Ben Hunt knocked on, but the, the crime story for me was we should never have. We were in front of game. We should never have got there. In that position, you know, we, yeah. have, we, yeah. we only had to make one more tackle. But that's what rugby league games are about: something more tackle. And um, and then you know you go into extra time, and then there's a knock on to start with, and then Jason, you know, suddenly JT kicks a kicks a field goal. And um, I remember, I remember thinking there was a couple of things that happened late in that game. Like there was one top, like even to get the ball back late in the game. Um, there was a questionable turnover that might have been a knock-on, but they called it okay. I thought the ball had been raked out. The Broncos never mentioned any of that. You know, oh, like yeah. it, Wayne was really strong about that this has happened. You can't reverse it while thinking about it. So you hold your heads high because, you know, you're six seconds away from winning the grand final. If if one more person had come up to me and said, oh, you know, I know it was bad getting beaten in the grand final, but at least he got beaten by another Queensland team, I would have killed them. Like losing, I don't care who I lose. <laughs> I don't care who I lose to; it hurts. Yeah, yeah. But um, but the the I remember um, when that happened at full time. I I I'd been on the sideline, and then I've I've seen them go down and score, and then you sat there go, oh no, I hope Thurston doesn't kick this goal, and then he didn't. Came off the post, so you you go an extra time. So I remember I I I went went down into the. Um, ran into the dressing room to go to the bathroom. And as I was coming back up the thing, I heard the whistle go off and I thought, oh, they're kicking off. And then I heard the whole crowd go, ah! I thought, what's happened there? And I remember I walked out and I think I looked at Joff and Gowie because I was sitting on the bench. I said, what happened there, Joffa? And he said, oh, honey's not gone. I've gone, oh. And then, you know, what you know what's going to happen there. And it did. And I remember being like, like, you know, feeling like someone had torn the guts out. But I had to say to myself, you know, you've got to go out there and protect these guys who are, you know, like I remember saying, Trad, this has not happened to you. This has happened to the players. Mm. Right? And this they could have got ambushed by other media people? Is that well, yeah, saying, you or? just knew they were going to be vulnerable. and Could have said and, anything and, in that and, and, You know, like, and, and I was worried about Hodjo. It was his mm. last game. Yeah. And he'd been on an emotional roller coaster that week. Yeah. Um, because he remember he, he nearly missed the game through suspension. He had That's to get right. off. Yeah, yeah I do remember and, that. Yeah. So we, that. That had taken up the from a media point of view, it wasn't bad. It kind of was. You need one issue to bubble along, and then it lets everyone else just you know do, do, just do what they normally do. So Hodge O'Kay had to bear the brunt of it, but he was old enough and the captain and smart enough to deal with it. Yeah. And so you know, and then I just I was concerned about what was going to happen. Um, you know what, what you know that you'd have players 
you know, having mental breakdowns on the field. I was con- con- extremely concerned for Ben Hunt because um, he he's he'd really been pariahed out that ever since. But Ben Hunt, Ben Hunt in the dressing room, I, I said to him, "Honey, what do you want to do here? All this media's here looking for you." He goes, "Mate, I'll talk to him." It's no problem. I said, mate, I think it's best you do mm. because if you do and you go and talk about it, then you don't ever have to talk about it again. Yeah. You know, like, like, you know, like, say he, he stood up and say, and that was heartbreaking because I'd, I'd known him since he's 15 or 16 years of age. Yeah. Him and Andrew McCulloch were best mates and come through. Well, they come through and the I'm, system together, didn't they? And Alex Glenn and, and that, a few of the boys. Yeah. Well, that, honey, honey and, honey and uh, Andrew McCulloch played Queensland. Um, primary schools together. Oh, that's how tight they are. Uh, yeah, yeah. They, they've been they, they've been mates for that long, and I, I was just I was heartbroken for him. Um, Hodjo was amazing. Like Hodjo really surprised me because I thought Hodjo because Hodjo can be filthy. Can be yeah, can yeah, yeah. But but at, like he his journey was over. He knew it, and there was nothing he could do about it. So he was quite philosophical about it. Mm. Um, the coach Wayne was great um, about it. You know, like. That's footy, and and you've you've got to get on. But it's it was a really really tough time, and I, I remember um, I remember went back to the um, back to the after party and um, the back of the hotel, and yeah, it was uh, it was really really tough. I always admire the pl- way the players and and the club in general handled that because you know it's really really tough to lose like that, and people forget that. The NRL immediately changed the rules after that. There's no more golden point in grand finals. Yeah. You, back to the old rule where you pay ten minutes each way. Yeah. Right. Because because you shouldn't you, you shouldn't lose a grand final like that. Mate, so tell me back. Tell me after you've gone back to the sheds. Obviously, you could hear a pin drop. I'm guessing it was just silent. That's how I would guess it would be, just from losing games myself, but not not on that scale. Um, who broke the ice? How how was that ice broken? Well, like who I said? said Wayne, I remember Wayne getting up and saying a few words and mm-hmm. saying, "Look, um, you know, um, I think I remember only catching the end of it because I was kind of trying to keep yeah, journalists yeah, at bay." Yeah. And I, 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 um, I said, he, you know, he said, you know, that's just the way it goes. It's footy. We get on with it, you know. And but I, he said, you know, you've got nothing to make excuses for. You've come within, you know, six seconds of winning a grand final and you got beaten. And, and that's just the way it is. You, yeah. you can't change. Um, he was really good. But one thing I do remember is um, all the family had just camped down in a, in a room that they had put set aside for, you know, after the game. Yeah. And, and the first thing they did was brought all the, all the um, families into the adjoining dressing room mm. and, because that's who the players want to see. Yeah, especially when you're especially like at a that. time like that, mm. they want to go and get you know give their wife or their girlfriend yeah. or their mum, their dad mm. a kiss and a cuddle and be all right. And I remember like that happening. And then under the the rules, I had to let um, some journos in because you know you've got to eat a, you know to the precious part of it. And it's poor form if you don't. Yeah. And I remember um, Adam Blair being amazing. Like there, like took it on thing. But like I said, Ben Hunt said, "Yeah, look, I'll talk to him, Trad. You know, there's nothing that's happened, mate. What do I do? You know, he's a country kid from, you know, from Blackwater. That's that's what he was like. He said, oh, you know, I'll 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 deal deal with it. I mean, he laid us he laid us signed a you know a eight million dollar contract to the Dragon, so it didn't affect him too much in the end. Yeah, one but, job more, you know, just at the wrong yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But but. I remember them all, and then I kind of let the journos in, and they kind of, you know, the journos were nice and wary around the players, and kind of went up and, you know, oh, excuse me, go and talk to you, and like most of the guys, you know, gave them a few words, mm. and then, and we kicked them out. But I remember, then, then we kind of let them stay for about ten minutes, and then I said, right, our guys, time to go. And then I remember, and I, I, you know, I was just, like I said, making sure I did my job. Yeah. And then about three minutes after that. Of a journo from Sydney who I'm friends with, um, but then came in like and walked in and said, Oh, oh mate, I need to talk to some players. I said, Well, sorry, mate. You know, because, Oh, well, I had to be down the Cowboys. I said, Oh, we'll, we'll make choices in life, you know. Yeah. He, and he, goes, he goes, Oh, thanks for nothing. And I exploded. Yeah, right. I very yeah. rarely lose my temper. Mm. 
but I exploded and just gave him, you know, both barrels and hit him up, basically hit him over the head with a verbal chair yeah. and said, you think I care what you want? Like, we just, we, yeah. lost, we lost in Golden Point. If I care. I just went bananas and he, um, he walked out and went and made a complaint to me to the NRL representative who was there and the NRL representative actually stood by me and said, no, nah, you're, uh, yeah. no, nah, you've, you've you got to know when you're poking the bear sometimes. Yeah. Mm, yeah. You know, I just explained it, but it, it was tough. That's, that was the, and then that was it. Like, you know, it, what do you do? You, you can't, you can't do anything about that. It's, it's just, that is sport. And if you, if you can't, um, you know, you, you can't control it. It's that's one thing I have learnt. I was never nervous before games, right? Never nervous before games because you know what? I have no control. Mm. No control. I have no input. My input. I was. I was telling Jack about this before. I always view when you work in public affairs and or media management, especially for a team. I always think my job starts at the end of a game and finishes at the start of the next 